to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am your host, Rachel R. Harris. Um, as the intro says, I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I own and run a Good Feeling Dog Training, which is based in Denver, Colorado, but we are working with people worldwide. So if you have a dog, you have training challenges, you need the support of a professional dog trainer, please head to our website, agoodfeelingdogtraining.com, and you can see all of the ways that we could potentially support you. So in today's episode, I want to talk about um, dogs who struggle at the vet. Um, This is something that I have a lot of personal experience with. So I want to just kind of share like my insight and my journey with Waylon. And I hope that it can be helpful if your dog also struggles at the vet. But before we jump into today's episode, I would like to ask a favor of you. If you have been listening to Disorderly Dogs for a while and you enjoy it and you're like, oh my God, it's Friday, there's a new episode. Can you help a sister out by leaving a five-star review over on Apple Podcast? Please and thank you. Thank you. I read every single review. I love them. It makes me so dang happy. And by leaving a review, you could potentially help another dog guardian who is struggling and needs support. So if you've been listening and you feel so inclined, I would be so honored if you could leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. If you do not already follow me over on Instagram, if you're into that kind of thing, I post training tips, inspiration, Waylon hilarity, almost every day. So give us a follow over at a good feeling underscore NCO. Some other exciting news. Um, Adventure Dog Academy is coming to life. Adventure Dog Academy is going to be a virtual training guide for every skill I think an adventure dog needs. Um, I am so close. I'm putting the final touches on the free mini course. So if you would like to be the first to know when you can get access to the free mini course, be sure to join the wait list and the full version of Adventure Dog Academy will be ready probably in the summer. So if you have an adventure dog and you feel like you could use some more training, we got you. Okay, so let's talk about dogs who struggle at the vet, shall we? So like I was saying, um, I have a lot of personal experience with this. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you have heard a lot of (laughs) the stories about Waylon. If you haven't, I'm going to give you just kind of like a brief rundown in history on Waylon and the struggles we've been having at the vet. But I also want to give you um, some tools for your dog, but also for you, right? So I'm going to talk about how you can advocate for your dog. I'm going to talk about some skills that you can train, and I'm going to talk about some management options. So um, for those of you who don't already know, Waylon came from a fantastic breeder in Georgia, and she did, oh my gosh, amazing things with Waylon's litter, um, tons of conditioning and early neurologic neurologic stimulation, socialization. So Waylon did not come from a tumultuous past. He's he's had it pretty good. He hasn't had a lot of bad days in his life. Yet here we are. He still struggles at the vet. So um, those of you who are kind of feeling like you failed your dog (laughs) because they uh, struggle at the vet, I feel that on so many levels. I felt like I was doing everything right. And yet still we are. Here we are with Waylon struggling at the vet. So 
For those of you who don't already know, Waylon is my five-year-old American Staffordshire Terrier. And while he is generally very people social, I don't worry about him in settings. I would not consider him human reactive. Um, he still really struggles at the vet. And in an effort to try and do things right as a puppy, um, I really tried to make vaccinations and vet visits as positive as I possibly could. But despite my best efforts, um, Waylon went for um, some of his puppy booster shots. So I think he was probably like five months old. Um, and they restrained him, right? So physically restrained him to do the vaccination. And that resulted in Waylon putting teeth on a vet tech. He did not break skin, but he was very clear that he did not like that. And unfortunately, that early experience really shaped him. And he still really struggles with the restraint to the point where he definitely will try and bite if he does not feel like he is being heard. So I want to be really cautious here because my intention is not to throw vet techs or vets under the bus by any means. I understand that in the veterinary industry, um, vets and vet techs alike are doing the best that they possibly can. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes the best is still restraint. And for certain dogs, that is really detrimental to them. Okay, so I don't want to blame the vet techs, but I want to help you understand that if your dog struggles with restraint, you are not alone. And there's so much that we can do to work through that. So Waylon had that neg negative early experience at five months old getting a vaccination uh, with the restraint. So when we went back to get his rabies vaccination about a month later, <laughs> despite my wishes and my explicit instructions, they tried to restrain him again. This time he did not get his vaccination because again, he turned and put teeth on the vet tech. Again, he did not break skin, but he was very clear that he did not like what was going on. And for me, it wasn't worth it to force the rabies vaccination Um and further add to like the negative experiences he was he was having, right? He was only six months old and I'm like feeling like, oh my God, my puppy is ruined. So um, in that moment, I really did advocate and stand up for Waylon and, and I insisted that the vet tech stop and we really did a lot of backpedaling. So in that journey, um, I trained a consent and care protocol. So if you follow me over on Instagram, I've been posting about that a little bit Um and I'm going to kind of walk you through what I did there. But before we get to the skills, I want to talk about advocating for your dog. Because like I said, my intention is not to throw like vets or vet techs under the bus by any means because I love and respect all of the work that they do. But I think that in an industry that is very, very busy, I think that they have to make some concessions because of time. And I think that sometimes things get rushed. And because of that, I think that is especially important for us as our dog's guardians to advocate for our dogs and what they need. And I will be honest with you, um, our regular vet doesn't always do what I want them to do. So we have another vet that we trust that can follow our protocols to get Waylon the care that he needs. So um, I think that quote unquote, breaking up with the vet may be a part of this process for you in advocating for your dogs. Um, I get a lot of comments and feedbacks over on Instagram that people, um, their vets just don't get it. They don't understand that their dogs are not like every other dog. They need more patience. They need more care. And I hear you on that. 
I've been really spoiled because Tiva is the type of dog that while she may not like something, she is basically never going to attempt to bite you. So for better or worse, I've gotten away with, you know, vet visits being relatively easy because Tiva is quote unquote easy. And the fact that she stresses down, she doesn't stress up, meaning when she's stressed, she's not trying to bite anyone. <laughs> um, and I think that a lot of dogs are like that, right? And we get away with doing a lot of invasive things against their will, but they don't try and bite us. So we don't think it's a big deal. We think that they're good dogs and we move on. And while that dog is really easy and you can take them to basically any vet and they can get the care that they need, <laughs> my guess is that a lot of you are listening because you probably have a dog who's closer to Waylon <laughs> than to Diva. So um, our regular vet has been great for Tiva because she is easy to deal with. We have had to break up with this vet for Waylon because they do not understand his needs um, and they are not accommodating or patient with some of the protocols we're trying to put into place. So when you're advocating for your dog, that might mean breaking up with a vet who doesn't get it and seeking out a vet who does. I understand that that's really easy to say. I know that um, especially in Colorado, I think in the States, I think this is probably going on a lot more places than just the U.S., but um, vets are very, very busy. <laughs> um, I know that there's a lot of burnout. I know that there is a lot of struggle in being a vet, and because of that, there's just, it's hard to get in with a vet. So um, if you are breaking up with your vet and looking for a new one, you're going to have to be patient and know that it's probably going to take a little bit of time to find a vet who gets what you need, but I promise they are out there. Um, fear free. Uh, I think they, they have vets and vet techs. Um, we'll include a link to that in the show notes, the fearfreepets.com. Um, but there is a whole movement in the veterinary practice, people who want to do things fear free. And there are amazing vets who exist who can help your dog who struggles at the vet. So um, part of advocating for your dog is going to be, you know, doing some legwork and finding a vet who gets it before you even start some of the training protocols. <laughs> okay. Um, I have found that I have to be extremely specific and oftentimes insist that their normal protocols at the vet are not going to be appropriate for my dog. So a lot of times at vets, especially for vaccinations, they will take the dog back away from you and do the vaccinations without you. Um, that is not something that Waylon can handle. Um, that is something that could definitely elicit a bite or stress for him. So um, I've had to be very specific, especially when I call for appointments and being clear that I am happy to pay for more time, but Waylon will not be leaving my side. This is something that is very challenging and I have had to insist and be very, very specific about. So I just want you to know that, you know, even me as a trainer with my own dog, I've had to be really, really blatant and oftentimes a bit um, forward with the tech and the vet and like, you cannot take this dog away from me. You cannot take him back there. He's not going to be easier back there. So you know, again, I'm not trying to throw vets or vet techs under the bus here, but that's often something that they do. And some dogs can tolerate that, but Waylon is not that dog. So I've had to be really, really clear, especially when scheduling visits about how I need things to go. 
And then I think that there's a lot of creativity that can happen in advocating for our dogs and avoiding potentially stressful situations. So, you know, in Waylon's life, he had a negative experience really early on in his life. So, you know, the last, Waylon just turned five, so the last four years, I've really been having to get creative about how I can get Waylon the care he needs without overly stressing him and making things worse. So for me, knowing that Waylon struggles with these things, my top priority is making sure that I'm not muddling through vet visits knowing that it's only going to get worse. (laughs) My plan and intention has always been making sure that every single vet visit is curated, he feels safe, so that the next vet visit doesn't have to be nearly as stressful. Okay. And it hasn't been perfect. Waylon has had to have some emergency vet appointments, which weren't wonderful, but we were able to muddle through those. But by and large, the appointments that are not emergencies that they are planned, I have been extremely, extremely proactive about making sure that those are positive experiences for him because he still has a lot of freaking life to live. And I'd really like him to be easier to get the vet care that he needs. So I want to give you an example of how I got creative. So it was probably two years ago, so Waylon was about three. Um, he came up with some lameness, right? So his front leg, he wasn't putting weight on it, and we needed to get x-rays. So another standard protocol for a lot of vets is they will take the dog back without you and restrain them because they have to be still to get the x-ray, which I understand, right? Like, I understand why they do it like that. But for a dog like Waylon, super hard no. So what I did is I contacted a client and friend who is a horse veterinarian who has a mobile x-ray machine. And I was able to go to her house and in her living room, we were able to get x-rays of Waylon without stress or intense restraint or any aggressive response from him. So obviously, I realized that not everyone has a friend who's an equine vet that can do that for them. But I want you to understand that like I have done a lot of creative thinking and getting outside of the box to at all costs ensure that Waylon's vet visits are as least stressful as they possibly can be. So when you're advocating for your dog, you may have to break up with a couple of vets along the way. That's normal. I've had to do that. Um, Keep looking because there are really good vets out there that can help you. Um, When you're making vet appointments, be very specific and insist on what you need, okay? What you and your dog need. And I think you can also get really creative about, you know, some of the processes that we need to do. So I have a lovely client who the dog really struggles with people, has a bite history. The dog needed a vaccination. We were able to communicate with the vet and the vet tech staff and the vet tech was able to meet my client in the parking lot. They all went for just like a super short walk. The vet tech got in there, did the vaccination super duper quickly. The dog got back in the car. So for that particular dog, having the vaccination happen outside versus sitting in the waiting room or in a, you know, a patient room was much easier. So I think that there's a lot of creativity and kind of thinking outside of like the normal process and advocating for our dogs in that way. Okay, so I want to talk about some skills, some specific skills that I think you can train and teach and ones that I obviously have used in real time. So obviously one of those skills would be muzzle training. Um, I think that because of necessity in a lot of circumstances, dogs are muzzled at the vet with like the cloth mouth, the cloth muzzle that's really tight and it's really stressful. 
And again, you know, sometimes things happen and we have to do that. But I think that the proactive nature in me is always like, how can we teach something so it doesn't have to be stressful if it comes up? So muzzle training is absolutely something that I have taught Waylon. It's a skill that he's comfortable in the muzzle if I need him to be. So in some of those emergency situations, I can muzzle him to prevent a bite if I need to. So if your dog struggles at the vet and they stress up and they are likely to act aggressive and or try and bite, I definitely think that you should muzzle train. Um, and I think that, you know, there's different levels of struggle at the vet. I know that there are dogs who stress us down and they just completely shut down and they're terrified. And while that is gutting and terrible, it's like I was saying, it's just a little bit easier in the fact that like the vet can probably still need still do what they need to do without it being dangerous for the vet. (laughs) Also detrimental to the dog who is shutting down. But then, you know, there's that flip side of that. The dogs who are stressing up and who will give the, you know, vet and vet tech the fuck you, you can't do that, right? (laughs) Those dogs need to be muzzle trained, okay? And remember, dogs don't have stigmas about muzzles. We're the only ones who have that. And, you know, (laughs) muzzle training was ridiculously easy with Waylon. Honestly, I completely muzzle trained him in like two weeks. (laughs) Like it really wasn't that hard. Waylon doesn't mind wearing the muzzle. We have it as a skill if we need it. So I think that muzzle training is definitely a skill that you can proactively be training in anticipation of vet visits. Okay. Um, another skill that I have trained, really executed and applied in real life has been a a consent and care protocol. So basically what that, that boils down to is, is I taught Waylon a behavior and in his case, it is a sustained nose touch. If you want more visual on this, I have a whole series on my Instagram about consent and care. So you can kind of visualize and watch that. But I taught him to do a sustained nose touch, meaning he does a nose touch and he maintains it for a duration of time. And then we built in lots of splitting and training steps, getting him more comfortable with being touched. So just kind of give you like a brief rundown. I taught him how to do the nose touch. We got that to fluency. Then I taught him how to do the sustained nose touch. We brought that to fluency. Once the sustained nose touch was brought to fluency, then I started adding in touching and the consent element of that. So basically what it boils down to is when Waylon is doing the nose touch, we're allowed to do the touching whatever thing we're doing with his body if he stops doing the nose touch we stop doing the thing and why this is so powerful is because it gives our dogs perceived control over what is happening to them and I think that it can make them feel safer and in Waylon's case it has prevented him from feeling like he needs to defend himself by acting aggressively so this is something that I started teaching I mean Waylon was probably like seven months old. I mean, basically after like the negative experiences at the vet, I was like, cool. So we're going to have to do something here because, um, getting him to the vet was really, really hard. So I think that a consent and care protocol is seriously everything when it comes to dogs who struggle at the vet and something that if you don't know about, definitely do some more research. There's a lot of trainers who call it a start button behavior. There's a lot of fancy names for it, but what it really really, uh, boils down to is teaching our dogs to more voluntarily participate in their care, okay? Um, When I was adding in some of the training skills, right? Like, so I basically started the uh, sustained nose touch in anticipation of Waylon being able to consent to his rabies vaccination. Okay, so like that was the goal. And we are really, really spoiled that um, 
our veterinarian who does chiropractic massage and acupuncture for both Tiva and Waylon was able to administer the rabies vaccination. Um, she has a really nice relationship with Waylon. She has spent a lot of time and energy building up that trust with him. So um, shout out to Dr. Caitlin Leonard. We love and appreciate you. Our life is so much easier because you get us. Um, so when I was building that skill to fluency, um, we did a lot of practice at Dr. Caitlin's office, right? So Waylon would get his Cairo and his acupuncture and all that good stuff. And then we would do just a short training session. So Caitlin would help me by approaching him, practicing, you know, picking up the air, the skin around the area where he would get his vaccination. And just to kind of give you an idea of timelines, um, I think Waylon was technically a year and a half by the time we got him to consent to his rabies vaccination. So it took roughly a year to get that to fluency. Um, and it probably could have been faster, but you know, life and all of that good stuff. So while it takes a lot of time and energy, we've been able to translate the consent protocol in some different elements and aspects. So, um, I posted recently on my Instagram about working on a lateral down with Waylon. That is an anticipation of getting blood work and getting Waylon to consent in blood work. And all of the legwork that I did to, you know, build up to the rabies vaccination is really lending itself really nicely now. Teaching the, the lateral down took some time, but now I can just translate the concept of consent, no consent to the lateral down, and it's going really, really smooth. So I'm feeling really confident that we're going to be able to get Waylon to consent to his blood draw pretty quickly. Okay. So those are some of the training skills that I think that your dog can really use. Um, in addition to those training skills, the muzzle training, working on some sort of start button, doing a lot of practice and bringing it to real life, I think that there are several management strategies we can use if um, you don't have the time to proactively train all the things that I talked about. So um, this is obviously a conversation that you're going to need to have with your vet, but many of my clients' dogs benefit from some sort of medication um, prior to a vet visit just to help take the edge off. So that is something that you can talk to your vet about, but if your dog is really struggling at the vet and they like urgently need vet care, meds may be your option, right? Um, I know that full sedation is an option in some of those like more extreme situations. Um, unfortunately, in Wayland's emergency visits, we didn't have time for meds or anything like that. So um, for those of you who don't know me or Waylon, Waylon is a wild animal. I love and adore him, but he has gotten himself quilled by porcupines on three separate occasions. And those were the emergency vet visits, and he had a face full of quills. So basically what that looks like is I walked him into the vet, they took him back, and they sedated him right away. So that's kind of how we were able to bypass some of the stress at the vet because um, he had a face full of quills, and he was preoccupied doing that, and they were able to sedate him very quickly. <laughs> so um, I think that meds can be a nice way to manage dogs who really struggle at the vet. Um, it depends on the dog, but definitely worth a conversation with your vet. I think some other management tools are um, exploring the different capacities that a vet can help you. So like I was saying, our rehab vet, Dr. Caitlin, um, she has an office that Waylon doesn't have a negative experience at. So we we're able to leverage that to kind of manage the situation. Um, I know that there are a lot of mobile vets who will come to your home. So I think that that can be an option for less stress and making it easier for your dog. Um, some dogs that might not be better, that might be 
worse, but just so you know that there are some options, right? You may not necessarily have to go to a vet clinic. There are a lot of mobile vets who may be able to come to you and we can kind of manage the situation that way. Um, and like I was saying, right? Like I think that there are some modifications. Can the tech come out and meet you in the parking lot and do a vaccination to make it less stressful? Um, I think that there are a lot of creative solutions kind of thinking outside of the typical model of how our dogs get vet care. And like I said, not all vets get that and that's okay, but I want you to know that there are vets that get it. So keep looking because they are worth it. Like I said, you know, Waylon has been very tricky to manage, but we've been able to do it mostly with his consent, mostly preventing a lot of stress. So if you have a dog who struggles at the vet, please know that you are not alone. I'm a professional trainer. Waylon came from a breeder. He was not, he had no negative experience at the vet until it happened once and then it just stuck with him. These things happen. It is okay, but there are lots of options for helping our dogs who struggle at the vet. Like I was saying before, both myself and Steph, who works for a Good Feeling Dog Training, we do virtual consults. So if you have a dog who struggles at the vet and you would like a professional to help you with a training plan, hey, head to a goodfeelingdogtraining.com and you can figure out how to work with us there. Everyone, it was so nice to chat today. Have a beautiful weekend. Smooch those puppies for me. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Reactive Dog Guardians. If your dog lunges, barks, generally loses it. The dogs, people, squirrels, skateboards, we have a free mini course just for you. Head over to agoodfeelingdogtraining.com, click free resource to get started on your reactive dog training journey today. All right, everybody. I know that CBD is a hot topic and rightfully so. There's a lot of misinformation surrounding CBD, but I tell you what, there's a lot of pretty amazing evidence for how amazing CBD can be for not only humans, but also for our pets. Uh, the ladies at VetCS uh, were on the podcast recently. It was episode 148. Give it a listen. You will learn a lot. Um, but I use VetCS products for me. I use VetCS products for the dogs. And I tell you what, Tiva, as she ages, the CBD is just amazing for her arthritis. And Waylon greatly benefits from the CBD too. So if you've been considering CBD for you or for your pet, check out VetCS.com. And you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your first purchase. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, it's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.